I just found the best art in all of Magic history. Are y'all ready? I'm yes. going to send it into the Hangouts chat. With Zodiac Dog? Yeah. Let's have a look. Oh, what a good boy. It's a good boy. That is a good boy. Jacklepup's a good boy. This is the goodest boy. That's a good boy, although I think somebody has spiked his dog food. He looks a little uh, too alert. <laughs> He's extremely like... aware. Welcome to episode number 49 of The Memory Jar. As always, we're here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Prestwood, and with me is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how are you? I am full, stuffed, and comfy. I'm ready to talk about some magical gatherings. Yes, we're recording this on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so we are undoubtedly all very full. We had people over to my house today. My wife puts on what she calls Waffles Giving every Saturday after Thanksgiving, where she makes pumpkin waffles and we make mimosas. And then the kids don't get those, but like, you know, other adults <laughs> that come over have uh, a stupidly large breakfast. And so we get kind of second Thanksgiving. But that's not the point. Today, we have a returning guest to the show, one of our favorites. Please welcome back our friend, level three judge and creator of the wildly successful Magic Bracket, it's David Lyford-Smith. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, happy to have you. So the first time you were on, we enjoyed our conversation so much, we stretched it into three episodes. <laughs> yeah. There just wasn't a lot of fat to cut there. Those were the early days. Uh, when we started the podcast, we were both weekly and we were like... We want to keep it to about 30 minutes. So we've gotten into the groove, and now we're a little less concerned about episode time and, and more concerned about plugging in the content. So here we are. David, what are you here to talk about today? Well, so we recently had in the UK our kind of annual-ish judge conference, and I traditionally at these conferences run a kind of quiz show as a end-of-weekend social activity for judges and as a result of preparing for those quiz shows I do a bit of research on some stats and facts about the game and so I'm here to share with you a few bits of stats and facts about the game that I discovered during my research and also a few quiz questions from this quiz and a few of the other ones that I've run over the years. That is awesome. Stats and facts are what we are all about. Yes, and I'm really excited because the British, so for listeners who can't figure it out, you are from Britain, you currently live in Britain, and the British do game shows a lot better than Americans, so I'm really looking <laughs> forward to a fantastic British quiz show about this, like QI. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's weird in that like the panel show format is super popular on British television, this kind of uh, like fake game show where it's just, and it's really just an, a an excuse for comedians to be funny uh, with yes. some some fake questions and so the, yeah there's, there's lots of it and I, actually I have one question which is directly based off of a, a British quiz show as well so we'll, we'll get to that well I'm looking forward to it but before we do any of that we have to like the holiday we just celebrated in the US of A we should continue with tradition and let's crack open the memory jar all right, this one is so nice, and I'm so glad we get to talk about this today. It's Marilyn of the Morn Song. So Marilyn of the Morn Song is a rare from Morning Tide, one black black for a 2-3 legendary elf wizard. First line of text is, players can't draw cards. Nice. Ooh. At the beginning of each player's draw step, that player loses three life, searches his or her library for a card, puts it into his or her hand, and then shuffles his or her library. 
Shout out to Dominaria for taking out rid of all three of those his or hers and giving us theirs instead. Yes. Like, I read the original w- card text. Now we're just on there, which is so much more convenient. Oh, God, yeah. Especially these search result effects, which just, you know, because they, they tell each player, the player to do like three things in a row. So This is really interesting because it kind of, it's like Vampiric Tutor on a stick, but it affects everyone? So this doesn't seem good at first blush, right? Like, why would I play a card that lets my opponent get a kill spell to kill my Marilyn before I got to use it? Well, and also yeah, the wh- fact that is you can't turn this off, right? Stuck with it. It's going to keep happening every turn. And it's it's Grim Tutor specifically. Like, Tutor for Anything Lose Through Life is, is Grim Tutor from Starter 1999. Um, and Players Can't Draw Cards is a pretty wild line of text. That is very, very wild. Like, they just um, printed Narset this year, where you can at least draw one card a turn. Like, this is worse. (laughs) (laughs) And it's three mana. (laughs) It's a blast from the past. Yeah, this is not a card that is played very often. It's very rarely used as a commander. It does play in some commander decks, but like we said, it's symmetrical, and you don't get the first crack at going and getting a card. You're basically telling your opponent, yeah, if you want to handle this, you can go get that. Otherwise, you can just go pick out something else. The reason I like this card, and it's so interesting, is that it is a mandatory search. So there aren't a lot of cards in Magic history that require an opponent to search for a card. There are more recently. Field of Ruin is a good example. Scheming Symmetry is a good example. Previously, these would have been player may search for a card. I assume that they've eliminated that text in large part for click reasons, say on things like Arena, where it's an extra click if you say, do you want to search your library versus just showing them their library and then they dive into it. The reason I find this interesting is because of the card Obnixilis Unshackled from M15. (laughs) I'll read that. It's four black black for a four four legendary demon with flying and trample. Whenever another creature dies, you put a plus one plus one counter on Obnixilis Unshackled. But the key piece of text is whenever an opponent searches their library, that player sacrifices a creature and loses 10 life. (laughs) Well, and that's also, like, that that ability is generally there just to be a disincentive so that nobody will ever search their library. So they can just put comically large numbers on it, like lose 10 life. The fact that you've got this card that says you can't, you you don't have a choice. You have to, you have to do it. And that right. Obnixilis is then going to punch you, which is very black, actually, for a pair of black cards. Yes. Yeah, extremely color pie appropriate. I just love the idea, and I feel like more people should play Obnixilis in their commander decks. But if you do, maybe look for some of those mandatory search cards, and I'll put a link of the ones that I can recall in the show notes. There might be more out there. Um, but yeah, play them with Obnixilis. It's pretty sweet. The other thing that's kind of interesting, actually, on just a rules point, is that Marilyn isn't just a mandatory search. It's a mandatory find, because there's not. Mm. it's not like a search library for a basic. You know, if, if you've got something like that, even if the search is optional and you choose to do it, you can just say, oh, well, I, I failed to find. You can't fail to find on something like Marilyn because it doesn't add any kind of... There's no restriction on what cards you can get. So it's provable that there are cards in your library, so you, you actually have to find something as well. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. It does say they search for a card. I suppose that Scheming Symmetry is the same thing. You can't fail to find for that reason because it's they search the library for a card, shuffle their library, and put that card on top. Yep. Mm-hmm. So interesting thing about Marilyn, she's kind of a cheesy EDH deck. Can you all guess what type of combo deck or card, I guess, that breaks Marilyn symmetry? Well, I mean, I, I guess we've got to be trying to turn off searching so that uh, opponents are just locked out of drawing cards or searching ever again, which sounds fun. Uh, I guess Ashiok, like War of the Spark Ashiok, turns off that. 
because it's black blue. Oh, if oh, of course. So you can't think of Maryland as your oh, yeah, yeah, Maryland's a commander. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I should I should have Shadow specified. of Doubt is yeah, yeah, because Shadow of Doubt stops you searching, but that's also blue. So oof, I can't think of a mono black. Yeah, I guess what you would want to do is play cards that don't draw, but allow you to just put cards into your hand. So like, you know, any any of those like ad nauseum type effects. Yes, would yes, yeah, literally just yeah. ad nauseum. So the combo okay. is. You add nauseum, your deck is like 86 lands and a handful of <laughs> other cards, and then you win with uh, Sickening Dreams, which is oh. uh, one in a black mm. for a sorcery, an additional cost to play Sickening Dreams, this card X cards from your hand, and then deals X damage to each creature and each player, and then you have Dark Sphere, which is a card from the dark, and that you can tap and sacrifice it to prevent half the damage done to you by a single source rounded down. Or you have Glacial Chasm as the other one where it prevents damage. So you can just play Glacial Chasm and then Sickening Dreams and you auto-win. Okay, that's, that's a little ridiculous. I guess your hope then is that your opponent, when they get their first tutor and pay three life, doesn't just get counterspell. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a good combo. I'm saying it's All a right, combo. Fair. Yeah. I mean, it is a combo, but it, like this is a, com- like, a commander combo deck, so it's a single-use item. You do it once and then everyone goes, oh, well that's fine we'll either kill you or not play with you anymore because that is a jerk move <laughs> yeah correct it's kind of like it's the last call of edh decks right it's like we got one more game and you're like i just want to end this in 10 minutes okay i'm down <laughs> like let's either i'm gonna get killed immediately or i'm gonna combo off so we did it <laughs> we did it <laughs> all right well let's dive into our main content today david how did you start doing magic trivia for judges so it's been something I was kind of interested in for a long time in that I've always liked, I think like many people who've been playing the game for a long while, uh, collecting random bits of information and little facts and things. But because I'm also a big spreadsheet nerd and a big numbers nerd, as I think we discussed in our three-parter uh, about the bracket, that's kind of actually how the bracket started. I was interested in trivia and stats and stuff, and so I started collating this big spreadsheet of information about magic cards way before the bracket happened and it was actually by collating and updating that that I noticed that we were coming up on this 2 to the power 14 number of cards that we could use to do a bracket so I was already kind of interested and I've also, uh, I like quiz shows and I like that kind of uh, trivia style of thing and so I kind of went from that to wanting to run these things and so I've also of course been to a lot of judge conferences and uh, I've been a judge for a a long time since about 2007 and I uh, was often running kind of sessions but I also when you go to a lot of those judge conferences you start to find that there are a few topics which are repeated quite a lot and there's a lot of kind of common ground and similarity which is fine because like you know there are popular topics that there are always new judges that need to learn about Uh, but I also wanted to try and experiment a little bit more and kind of push the boundaries a bit and so trying to come up with different things and different ways of doing things this was one of the things that I landed on that's been a sort of successful uh, recipe for doing something a little bit different uh, including something a little bit more uh, social as part of the conference to wind down at the end so um, it's been a really fun uh, tradition. So go over how you run it exactly. Do you run it kind of <laughs> like bar trivia? Do you run it like um, like a quiz show, game show format? How How is it set up? It's usually run, it's much closer to like 
what I would call a pub quiz bar trivia. Uh, yep. So like with small teams. Um, however, the format is a format that would not really work for bar trivia because people wouldn't understand it, but does work perfectly for this in that I run it as a four-round Swiss tournament. So oh. I run four or five rounds of Swiss where each round is like a, a, a question, and then every team has to like try and score as well as they can on that question. And then I literally use Wizards Event Reporter and like pair up the teams and say, okay, whichever team got the better score on that question wins the round. Um, and then we cut to the top four at the end of the uh, like the uh, the Swiss portion, and I do a, a like knockout for the overall the final prize. That's outstanding. I mean, Thank if you. the magic bracket wasn't a good indication. Or anyone who follows you on Twitter can't tell. You are a master of the bracket of the, you know, the, tur- the tournament structure, the spreadsheet in general. Yeah. The other thing that's brilliant. So every time that I have run this, some smartass has been like, oh, well, what if I want to ID into top four? Like, if what if we're like four and I in this five round event? And I want to ID. But the thing is that I always give them the questions before I tell them the pairings. So what I usually do is I say, oh, that's fine. If you want to ID, just don't answer the question. And if the other team wants to ID, they won't answer it either. And you'll get a draw and then you'll be fine. (laughs) And then they go, but what if they do answer the question? And they're like, oh, well, maybe you should answer the question just to be safe. (laughs) That's like some economic theory type stuff, right? Like that. Oh, yeah. some proper prisoner's dilemma, um, but unfortunately they just have to just, you know, answer the damn questions, not try and <laughs> be smart about it. So. Has Were ever crashed a, a judge quiz you've run? Uh, I, I haven't had it happen. Like, I, I run it offline because uh, I borrow my local store's uh, ID and then I delete the tournament when I'm done running it. Oh, so okay. right. uh, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's not Oddly enough, sanctionable format. Um, so, yeah, you don't want to end up sending that to Wizards and they'd be like, I'm sorry, I don't know how to assign Planeswalker points for this structure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's wild. Um, but yeah, like that's usually how I run it. And then the top four, and or top two, depending, I've done it a few ways, I actually directly stole from how I... So I, I, Mark Rosewater used to run a trivia show at Worlds every year. He, was all, he would always go to Worlds and run these these shows and I went to a couple of them and uh, one of them I did actually make a top eight with my team and it was actually one I think where he uh, hadn't been there and someone else was running it but the format that he used was there was a category in my case it was angels and then the contest was basically take turns naming angels until somebody can't do it anymore Wow. Um, yeah, and so I've all of my kind of top fours have been run on that basis, and I've just used different things, so like creature types, or you know, judges in the region, or uh, this year it was demons because our quiz was like a, around Halloween weekend, so I wanted something kind of uh, vaguely spooky, and so it was like naming demons, and you know, just keep going till someone runs out. Um, oh, that's awesome! So, so that's that's basically the structure. Like, what's on average the number of? rounds in the final do people go before they get knocked out because those can either be really quick or they can be like uh, just you're just going all tend night. to go a long way so the one i did with the demons quite recently for example there's something like 250 280 different uh like black border distinct demons and uh i think we got through well over half of them like it was really impressive and uh, in particular what's interesting is what will happen is that like somebody at some point named 
one of the Rakdos cards, and then the other people immediately then named the other two. So, like, once you've kind of opened that category, you've reminded people that that's a well that exists. You know, you're kind of incentivized to do the quote-unquote easy things sooner so that you're not, like, caught out. What often happens to knock someone else is that they'll have, like, an answer queued up in their head, and then the person before them will say the same answer, and then they just panic, and then they can't get a card in. I give them, like, you know, five, ten seconds to come up with something, but often that's what will kind of throw somebody when they're trying to, like, plan out what they're going to say, and then suddenly something's taken away and they, they can't do it. Yeah, that reminds me, too, with Demons, because I was going through some bulk, thanks to Pioneer, and I forgot how many random demons there were in Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation yes. that were commons. And so, it's like crocodile demons and yeah, yeah. yeah. got to keep that in the back of my mind now because this is you know this is good trivia that will only be useful probably for one game, but it'll come up, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> yeah, it'll come up at some time. I was really pleased that like at some point somebody named Grizzlebrand, who's probably like the, the most well-known demon, but then. Uh, the, there were so there were four pe- people competing, and over the next couple of rounds, they named all the rest of Liliana's uh, contract demons as well. Uh, nice. So you got Razaketh and Kothafed and uh, whatever whoever the other guy was, I can't remember off the top of my head. Bells and Lock. Oh yeah, oh that's right, Bells and Lock. Demon Lord Bells, Bells and Lock. It's in the name. Yeah. Demon Lord Bells and Lock. It is. Yeah, but he was the last of her contract demons. So that's right, and he was, if I recall correctly, was he an elder demon? Oh, maybe. I, I believe he had. Uh, I believe he had super type elder. <laughs> the quiz was about demons, not elders. <laughs> true. Well, true. excuse me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've got like a few just random interesting stats. So the original stat that I uh, I noticed that kind of I think led to me thinking about com- uh, talking to you folks is so uh, we are coming close to a frankly unbelievable point in Magic's history. Which so Saturday the seventh of December two thousand and nineteen, that is the point where the distance between the release of Time Spiral and the present day will be longer than between Time Spiral and Alpha. So Alpha, Time Spiral is closer to Alpha than to us in the present. Christian, your head is in your hands. Are you feeling extremely old at this point? I am feeling extremely old because Time Spiral was the false set that was released when I w- was a freshman in college. Wow. That I distinctly remember geeking out about Lotus Bloom and doing a lot of drafts my freshman year of college. So yes, that that one stings quite a bit. Yeah, like it's the nostalgia set. It's a set about looking back on Magic's long history, and it's only the <laughs> history of the first half of Magic now. All right. So what you're saying is we're due for another time spiral, and I'm in. Yeah, it's called Dominaria. We got one. It was Modern Horizons. Yeah, 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 Mon- yeah Modern Horizons and Dominaria. I think between them, kind of really did cover that that ground and i'm really glad that they did that um yeah and I, I mean i guess also they've just done new future site as well with all the mystery booster playtest cards are very future sighty they are yeah and i was gonna say too i mean we have a card released in the year of our lord 2019 that has a flavor text by tevish sat and so we did it we got enough memories just packed in nostalgia packed in for one year it's an incredible thing the other thing that's interesting is that actually it's more than 50% of the magic cards that exist are post time spiral because magic is making more cards each year than the year before pretty much like they're making more and more cards because then you know they've got all these supplemental sets now they've got like the planeswalker decks now they have all these intro decks and welcome deck decks and game night and all this stuff so there's more and more cards all the time if you look at like the years where the most new magic cards were printed 
then 2019 is top, and then 2018, 17, 16, and 15, not in that order, but they are the rest of the top five years for most new Magic cards. It's just the last five years. How do we feel about that as a group? Is there a little new card fatigue that's happening in uh, in your end of the world? Uh, yeah, I, I think this year in particular was a bit spoiler season it, it didn't feel like spoiler season it was spoiler year like yeah. every year there was something going on like every day there was something new coming it seemed yeah it'll be interesting to see if we had a tipping point in 2020 with the various commander products and other things that they've announced where they're you know each set is going to come with its own commander decks that will have some new cards and obviously a lot of reprints if we're just going to get that overload yeah it it also was I think this past summer was also incredibly egregious because you basically had Core Set twenty twenty come out, and then you had Modern Horizons, and then they released all the Brawl stuff if I remember correctly, right? And then it was Throne of Eldraine. Like there was no point this past summer where it's like you didn't go like almost a full two weeks without some spoiler happening. It was too over the top in my opinion. I was unable to get tired of drafting a set. And I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was not time to discover those like interesting, sweet, deep things about some yep. of those formats. And like this year is particularly bad, so I've got the numbers in front of me. So the second most cards printed in a year was a tie between 2016 and 2018 that both had just over 1,000 new cards. 2019 has nearly 1,200 cards. So it's like wow. head and shoulders above the rest. And the crazy thing about that, too, is that before all this, in the last five years, it was Time Spiral, but that's because they had a whole supplemental set added. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm not counting this. I'm just counting new cards. So, oh, my apologies. Uh, just, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's just like card names that have not been used before. Oh, that's actually a good distinction because yeah, yeah. we've had a lot of reprint sets. I didn't think about it that way. I was really thinking of the number of um, sets, period. Like, oh yeah, total number of cards printed in a year that are unique is so much higher now because of all of the reprints and the right. other products. And some of them are better than others. Like I'm not gonna lie, I'd rather have high quality 121 mystery boosty cards than like 300 broken Modern Horizon cards. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> oh, were some of those broken? Is that what we're saying? Only a few. I mean, only only a few. Yeah. So I'm just setting up actually to show you an interesting graph where we're talking about like number of cards over time. So I tweeted this one out uh, this last week actually. Um, so I tried to do some work figuring out how many cards were legal in standard since standard was a thing. Yeah, I'm I'm sure people can go look up either my tweet or I'm sure link in show notes this this image, yeah. but. At the beginning, when in like 1995, when Type 2 was invented as a thing, um, there's not that many cards, and there's a few years where they're kind of going back and changing their mind a bunch about how should this work, which set should be legal, should it be uh, like rolling on an expansion basis or on a block basis, and for some reason Chronicles is involved, and it kind of goes up and down and is a bit crazy. Uh, eventually, they settle into this, the most recent like edition so fourth edition fifth edition sixth etc and the two most recent blocks that's what's legal in standard and they just do that for five or six years and everything is very stable and then it goes a little bit crazy because <laughs> they release cold snap which is an, a whole extra set that they just squeeze into with the year and then like you mentioned you've got time spiral that's got 121 time shifted reprints that's all added into standard as well 
and then Shadow More Block has four sets instead of three, and that's all thrown in there as well. And Standard like grew from like it was averaging like fourteen hundred cards over the course of that time, and it grows to twenty two hundred cards when Eventide mm. comes out, mm. and then it kind of goes a bit back down, and then we've moved to the model we had mostly for the recent times where it's like two blocks and the most recent core set or two core sets if we're like in between two blocks and then they got rid of blocks but it was fundamentally the same but it's still kind of creeping up like the size of standard is steadily getting bigger and bigger because again they're putting out all these planeswalker decks and welcome decks and brawl cards for throne of eldraine and all the rest of it so i i i wouldn't be surprised if we actually end up breaking that uh 22 2150 odd standard record at some point so if you're following along at home we're going to be talking through this graph but one of the key things about this graph is that there's two interesting valleys which i think are f- worth talking about the first valley is right after time spiral when like all these cards left and wizards is like we're not printing these many cards ever again and they're very explicit they're like new world order Marr. Um, and so mm. that that caused that decrease. The other one was they changed the rules for uh, standard legality. The briefly for the uh, instead of twenty four months of legality, each set was only going to be legal for eighteen months. So <laughs> there's a little dip where it's like, man, we're trying this out, and they quickly stopped that because they almost couldn't. immediately gave up. Yeah, almost immediately. But that I think if you would, if you could, I, we don't have to do it now, and this probably is a little too much work. But if you were, if someone, we can go back and look at retroactively if all those sets were actually in for 24 months instead of 18 you probably have this continuing um like this this can this will continue to go higher like i forgot the name of the it's like a it's not a regression model it's um uh, i forgot what it's called but you probably know david oh yeah yeah just sort of looking at it whether it's sort of interpolating if it's going to keep going up so that, yeah i've also posted a sort of smoothed out version of the same graph which is like taking 12 month rolling averages and so it's not quite so spiky uh, but yeah you can still see that standard since the it's like zendikar shards of alara when they made this decision to cut back on standard and try to you know avoid the crazy excesses um but mm-hmm. since then it's just been creeping up uh, ever since so. right yeah, we, we are clearly ascendant at this point, and you're right, we're, we're getting a little close to that peak, probably closer than people realize. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to share a few other interesting stats, and I'm actually going to uh, turn off my screen, share with you guys for just a second, because I want to ask you some like interesting trivia questions. So uh, this isn't full-on quiz stuff, but just curiosity. So one thing I looked at was text boxes. So obviously most magic cards whatever their text box says is unique and only they say it, but there are certain text boxes that get used all the time. And so what is, do you think, the most common rules text for a card? Uh, um, wait, question. Are we mm-hmm. is, are we not including vanilla creatures? Uh-huh. You've, you have cleverly figured it out. Yeah, that is absolutely where I'm going. Uh, blank is the most common uh-huh. rules text. Mm-hmm. There are 327 blank cards, which isn't just vanilla creatures, because Bayou is also in that list, for example. Fair. Sure. Like, Fair. Like, I guess <laughs> it's only blank text. cards, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, yeah, we're talking Oracle text here. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, like, it seems like the easiest thing a magic designer to do, and they would do, sounds like a pretty good job, is to just release a lot of, like, three mana, two, three hill giants, right? Or hill minotaurs and just call it a day. It's like, oh, it's a good design. 
follows a template. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you've ever like played, you know, teaching a new player magic uh, with the kind of starter decks they print, it's amazing how much depth of in- and interest of play there is in just bashing vanilla creatures against each other. Mm-hmm. What's well, less thinking? Like, I, I mean, uh, this is going to be weird to say out loud, but keywords are overrated. I think keywords are great if you are a entrenched player of magic. Sometimes it's, you know, more your basic is, I think that's one of the reasons that's such a great format is, yeah, there's all these creatures, all these texts, but sometimes you're just like, I just have a craw worm. Okay. What do I do with a craw worm? I just attack. I don't worry about it. Yeah. As I was teaching my daughter to play, I really got some of that flashback to, oh, power and toughness. And the goal of this game is attacking and blocking. It's like attacking and blocking. I don't ever do that in regular games of Magic, and here we are. You know, and that's that's what it's all about at that level. Maybe that's why people don't like Oko Thief of Crowns, is because it just goes. It's too much throwback Magic. It's like, oh, all my creatures are just three threes, and you're like, that's right. You're going to enjoy it. What are we supposed to do in that world? Well, and it's also like when everything's the same size, it's not very interesting, right? Like no. the interesting games is where you know you've got a mix of different powers and toughnesses and you've got to kind of figure out what the safe attacks are whether you should be blocking that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, so the m- second most common text box is flying just yep. just flying there's 94 cards that just have flying and i want to go a little bit further down the list so it's a big, big steep drop off after vanilla and flying then you've got trample vigilance and reach that are the next the wildest thing is the next most common text box is swamp walk Ah, it's amazing! Wow. There are 21 cards whose rules, the entire text box is just the word Swamp Walk, which wow. is the same That's... number as the number that just have the word Haste. Wow. And this that is crazy. Is shocking Because this is, granted, so 21 cards out of what, 14,000 is barely, we're talking like hundreds of uh, 19,000, uh, I probably got yeah. the exact, 19,229. So not, not a big number of Percentage-wise, considering they haven't printed any cards with Swamp Walk in like a decade, it <laughs> really shows how often they went to the Swamp Walk well in the past. That now it's my goal. I need to get higher in Magic R and D so I can just add more Swamp Walk, so uh, singular Swamp Walk creatures, so we can beat out the singular haste creatures. Be like, no, no, no. This is for the That's numbers. That's especially stunning given that there are only two cards that just say Planeswalk. Whew. That's right. Well, those have, like, I think, other texts as well. This is cards that literally the only ability is Swamp Walk. Yeah. No, no, I mean, there are two cards that literally their only ability is Planeswalk. No, oh, there's just sure. one. Oh, oh right, isn't it just yeah. one? No, no, it's Zodiac Rooster and uh, what's the uh, Righteous Avengers from Legends. Oh, right. Right, I always forget about Righteous Avengers. I, 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 I must say that, like, Portal 3 Kingdoms is helping out a lot here because Zodiac, <laughs> Ox, Pig, Rat, and Snake are all just vanilla except for having Swamp Walk. So, like, there's four of them. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. That's like that. I'm gonna keep that fact now. I'm just gonna throw it at parties next time. Like, people don't even play magic. Did you know that there's four zodiac cards? <laughs> What's really went so there's that whole twelve card cycle of zodiac creatures, all of which have the same basic art of like the zodiac in the background and an animal in the foreground. They all just have power, toughness, and a land walk ability, and. Zodiac Monkey has been reprinted like a bunch of times as a 2-1 forest walk and the other 11 I think have never been touched. Wow, that's amazing. I love this game. So last couple things from the text list. So the most common text box that isn't just one word is 
little bit lower down with 19 cards is Flying Comma Vigilance. So there's a lot of cards that do that. How many black green cards? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, not many, not many. Yeah. Uh, the most common that's not just a list of keywords is with 13 cards, Tap Add Green. Oh. Okay, interesting. Interesting. What What is it for spell? Can I just guess that it's the spell deals three damage to any target? Uh, so I actually included the spell name here, so... Uh, okay. They all show up as uniques. But one, if you don't count the, you know, if you count the spell name as being different rules text, uh, destroy target land. Uh, there are seven oh, cards sure. that just say spells that are destroy target land. Um, which is partly because all the portal sets, I think, have a stone rain, and none of them are called stone rain. That's right. That makes sense. Which is kind of funny because stone rain itself has been reprinted so many times. And actually, I believe there are more art variants of Stone Rain than any other card by far. Yeah, they, they, there was a while where they just saw Stone Rain as like an essential thing that Magic had to always have. Yeah, and for some reason, they, they must have had a lot of art with meteors in it because they just reprinted it with a different <laughs> art in every set it was in. Or fire. I wonder if they still have like a slush file. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like they, they I'm sure that the art director has a really well-honed skill at finding different ways of describing a thing is on fire like yeah. <laughs> as an art description they need a 20 more of a, every year <laughs> so relatedly to text keywords so i don't think it'll be very difficult to guess what the most frequently printed keyword is flying uh, yeah it's it's flying by a long yeah. way uh 1778 cards have flying it's like nearly 10 percent of magic cards have flying uh, second most is enchant because uh, obviously every aura has to have the enchant keyword yeah and most of the rest of the top 10 as you would imagine is like evergreen abilities that they use all the time uh, with one exception but in 10th place is cycling with 189 oh. cards that's incidentally not including the cards that have uh, plane cycling something and... cycling yeah oh, okay, there are like yeah. 25 extra cards as well on top of that that have something cycling um related to our previous fact the 14th most common keyword is landwalk there are 124 cards with landwalk uh which is for example 11 more than there are cards with lifelink so <laughs> wow they that's really amazing to me that we just don't get a lot of landwalk and they went so heavy on it early that lifelink has still not caught up yeah, so Lifelink is only future site forwards because previously yeah. it was usually like written out rules text, but it's still, yeah, it's pretty crazy that they still haven't managed to catch up. Wow. Other things from this list that really surprised me, Devoid. So Devoid only appears in two sets, right? It's just in Battle of Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch. Okay. And um, all it does is make stuff colorless. There are 98 cards with Devoid between those two sets. Wow. That is Ridiculous. a lot more than I remember. Yeah. 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 To, to give you a, not, some more comparisons, that's 24 more than there are cards which have Menace at 74, and it's more than twice as many as there are cards with Double Strike. That's so yeah, fascinating. There's so oh. many Devoid cards. And I think it's because they all have that like frame treatment, so I think mm -hmm. we all kind of got used to just glossing over the actual word on the card. Like, you could just look at those cards and they're like, oh, this is one of those colorless cards. And didn't realize, of course, every single one of them has the word devoid in the rules text to make it work. Right. But, pff, boy, that's a lot. That is a lot. Very few of the cards in that set that mattered outside the draft format cared about other cards being colorless either. 
And so it wasn't yeah. something where you were necessarily looking for Devoid cards unless you're playing Vile Aggregate or a number of these other things. It just was something that was tacked on for flavor reasons more than anything else. Yeah, like I think that's that's very reasonable. It was a flavor, and it made the it was important for the limited format. But there was just this crazy density of it. And other after cycling, by the way, the next biggest uh, keyword mechanic is morph. That's just regular old-fashioned morph. None of this mega morph nonsense. Um, and that all obviously makes sense as well because morph only works as a keyword mechanic if there are lots of morphs. You can't just right. like throw a couple of morphs into a limited format. Because the kind of bluffing aspect doesn't work. While we were talking, I was trying to find stats and island home, but then I realized it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, they rotted it out of existence. Yeah. <sighs> now I'm curious about what other mechanics they've rotted out of existence, and I, now I it, I'd oh, have to do I, a whole like whole episode on it. But well, I mean, the other one that immediately springs to mind as a judge was substance. A oh, yeah. mechanic that existed only in Oracle for a little while. It was an attempt at making the like flat, the instantments from Mirage Block work. Uh, that was a it was a keyword mechanic that literally did nothing. It was just there to try and find a errata wording for cards that they couldn't figure out how to make work. Let's talk a little bit about creature types. Uh, okay. So mm. I was actually listening just the other day to an episode that you guys did about. Uh, the number one creature type of all time, which is obviously human. There are more than 2,000 humans in Magic. Uh, it's like more than 10% of cards are human. Sorry, I was just going to say, just because you errata a creature type onto a bajillion cards doesn't mean it's the best. Or the, it, should, <laughs> it should count. Like That's an asterisk. That's like doping. The human <laughs> creature type doped up to get those numbers, and I think it should be thrown out. So here's a question for you about humans. What do you think is the average power and toughness of a human? The average power and toughness of a human? I'm going to mm -hmm. say 1-2. Okay. 2-1. Uh, <laughs> so it's pretty close to just being 2-2. Two, two. It's 1.9 to 2.2. Two. So okay. the average human is like 1.9, 2.2. Slightly tougher than power. Uh, um, but yeah, it's about grizzly bear's size. That's kind of what we're talking. Ah, the magic universe where any human can kill a grizzly bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with Dave. I, they need to start releasing a lot more one-one humans. We need to push that number down or zero. Or they just made a mistake, and Grizzly Bear should have been a four-four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the real problem is that the Grizzly Bears is drastically understated. The average bear, by the way, is a two point five, two point three. So it's a, a bit beefier. Yeah. What do you think of some of like the other, like the rest of the top ten most frequent creature types? Most frequent creature types in Magic. Yep. Yep. Uh, how about Elf? Tenth just creeped in. Uh, okay. It's 339 Elf, just, just ahead of uh, Shaman, which is the next one down. So my wonder is, which of the other creature types that we're talking about are kind of creature types themselves or professions? Like, is Wizards in the top ten? Yeah, so like what you're, it's the in kind of D and D terms, race versus class, right? Yes, it's, it, yeah, exactly. You're right that most of the top ones are classes because they tend to be universal across settings, whereas most like species are somewhat restricted in the settings that they show up in. Um, so you are yeah. right. So warrior is the second biggest, and wizard is the third. So okay. So I was gonna say soldiers probably in the top ten, right? Like. I'm trying to think no, of other common. Fourth. Yep. Well, there you go. Oh, I, yeah, ha so... I have to say, stepping outside of class, zombie. Yeah, that's there too. That's uh, okay. that is. Uh, I mean, I guess that's sort of a race slash class. It's kind of both. It's sure. it's a it's a it's a living. You know. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> or unliving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what about spirit? yeah? So the rest, the rest of the top ten is uh, elemental, cleric, and beast. Uh, oh. I guess beast. I, I don't. I have a lot of problems with beast because it tends to be the default animal creature type. Right. They put on things which aren't a clear other type. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Um, cleric is a big surprise to me. I don't feel like we see a lot of clerics anymore. Yeah, I think there was definitely because it was one of the major tribes in block. There's a bunch of clerics back then, and it's reasonably common still for a lot of random white creatures. But I agree that I was surprised that it's as high up as it is. Like it's considerably above goblin, for example, like thirty ahead of goblin. Yeah. Wow. Wait, elementals in the top ten? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that one. I'm not surprised that about. Too. That's their go-to for magically created thingamabobber that doesn't really fit. We'll just call it an elemental and. Like Beast. Yeah. Beast is in the same boat. Yes. Yeah, it is very much used for a whole bunch of cards which are a weird magical thing. Okay, so I think we are ready for some quiz questions. So I have a few different things that uh, I'm going to show you guys. Um, the first one of which actually leads directly from what we were just doing, talking about some stats. And uh, I'm particular. I'm going to show you some charts of some stats, uh, which are stats of particular magic sets. Okay. And what I'd like you to do is see if you can identify the sets from these little diagrams I've made for you. And for the audience at home, whilst uh, David and Christian are thinking about these, I'm going to describe them to you so you'll be able to see them. So Wait. let me just get open the first one. Before we get into that, though, what, how many rounds are we playing and what are we playing for? What are the stakes? Oh, well, so I, I haven't actually planned either of those things. I okay. was just planning on just doing some fun stuff for fun. Oof. Uh, I don't know. Well, We're magic players. we got to have some stakes <laughs> You're too competitive for that? Christian and I will have to have some stakes here. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something. We'll, come we'll with let something. everybody yeah, know. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'll send you a bottle of beer. Can I do that legally? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but I'll buy you a beer next time we're together in person. Okay, there we go. Yeah, one of us right. will. Okay. Good answer. Perfect. Okay, so I have got a series of ten charts which are uh, summarizing different magic sets. I'm going to describe each of them, and I want to see if you can recognize them. Uh, this first one's pretty easy. This is a pie chart of the card types in the set. It is a red circle, and red is creature. There is nothing else. Well, my friend, we know that that is legions. Legions. It sure is. Yep, legions is the only monotype set, 100% creature set. Nice and easy. <laughs> It it's it's pretty hard to describe that as a pie chart in any meaningful sense. Like I think uh, you'd you'd be hard pressed to do that. Okay, so here's the next one. So this is another pie chart. This is of the colors of the cards in the set. So it's white, blue, black, red, green, and there are some lands in here. Uh, do you want to describe anything you notice or see if you can figure out what this set is, guys? Yeah. I would note that there are more black <laughs> cards here than any other set, so I would imagine it is Torment. It certainly is Torment. It has a nice, chunky black slice, and actually the green and white slices are a little bit smaller as well. Uh, that's they are, where those yeah. extra black cards in Torment came from, is that they, they cut the number of green and white cards down. But uh, it's kind of my ideal set, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say... It, it you... didn't make for the most balanced draft format, but it was it was interesting. But if you if you showed a pie chart of judgment, it would be the inverse. It, green and white would be slightly higher. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Green and white higher, and black is a bit lower. Okay, so this next one. So this is a chart of the power toughness combinations that exist in the set. 
Uh, so uh, there are powers going down the left and toughness is going across the right and then it's a little chart showing you how many of each combination exist. And anything on the, this one that jumps out to you? Yeah, I'm noticing there are 12 zero zeros in the set. Mm, that's true. Is this... This I think this is a set with spikes. Not the the tournament Ooh. player, but it's the creature type, right? So this is this has to be I'm guessing this is either no, it's stronghold. Well, it's also worth noting here that there's an 1111 in the set. Yes. Um that makes me think that it is what was the set where <gasps> they is it dark steel? Dark steel. Because there were dark steel colossus and then there would have been a bunch yes, of modular steel. Yeah. All right. Yep. Whew. Yes. So yeah, that's exactly right. Well done. It is uh, 12. Spikes is another good guess, by the way. And incidentally, uh, uh, talking of stats, spikes are on average the smallest creature type in Magic because literally every one of them is a 0 0. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm going to bust that out the next tournament where yes. someone is uh, very angry at me after a match. I'm like, well, you're just the average, the smallest creature type Magic. <laughs> 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 so yeah, well done. You you are three for three. Now next one's a little bit tougher. So let me see if I can get this to. I have to work. say I don't like that they're getting tougher. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I'm not it's pretty not good more right directionally now. tougher. Like okay, let me see if I can figure out how to move this on to the next one. Okay, so here we go. This is the next one. This is number four. So this is another pie chart. This time it's of the colors of the cards in the set. The immediately obvious thing is that there is a huge chunk of multicolor in this set. It's maybe between a quarter and a third of the set is multicolored. Um, and also that the other five are not equal in size. So what do you think about this one? Yeah, there are fewer red cards in this set than any other color it looks like. I'm guessing this yep. is this has to be like this has to be like so it's obviously a gold set so this is I'm thinking it has to be like either Shards of Alara or Conflux or something similar but I don't I don't uh, think so, so. The, the fact that the monocolors are not balanced is definitely a useful clue uh yeah that's a really interesting question I mean I would have initially said something like <gasps> you know Return to Ravnica but Khans Tarkir uh, it's it's not either of those. So oh. you're right, though, that it is a Ravnica set. So it is one of the Ravnica sets. Oh, oh, of course, that makes sense. It would be fewer red cards because fewer of the guilds had red in them. Oh, okay. Is this then guild packed? It is guild packed. Okay. So and it's okay. actually slightly the opposite reasoning to what you said. So guild packed okay. has two red guilds in it, and right. so there are fewer mono red cards because the kind of allocation of red cards in the set is mostly spent on red green on uh, red green and red blue cards in that set so oh, a, okay. a subtle one there that is i'm not about getting a question right for the wrong reason <laughs> <laughs> okay so the next one this is another color pie chart uh, this one is uh, a little bit weird looking because pretty much 50 percent of it is artifacts and then the other, like, lands and the five colors are pretty much evenly distributed. And it is about 50% artifacts. So the fact that I'm seeing no gold cards in here makes me think this might be antiquities. 
It is Antiquities. Wow. Well done. Because I was about it's to the say... most like themed of all theme sets. All of those colored cards mention or deal with artifacts in some way. Literally every card in the set cares about artifacts. Yeah. Wow, because my first... Uh, or or is Urzatron. Thinking... No, that makes sense. Oh, right. Yeah. I was thinking of uh, New Phyrexia. That was actually... But I, I was trying to remember if there were any multicolored cards in New Phyrexia, and I couldn't remember any off the top of my head. No, I think that the most artifacts in a set total is probably Mirrodin, um, but there still would have been a couple gold cards in there. Yeah. As, as a percentage, Antiquities is actually the highest. So the, the Mirrodin sets and all the rest of it is like a lot of artifacts, but... Uh, Antiquities is is a very extreme, crazy case. So Antiquities okay. is the New Hampshire of of um, sets. Like per capita, it's just the most, but numbers wise, <laughs> not a whole lot. Okay, so here's a, a I think an easier one. So this time we have a bar chart. This is the converted mana cost of cards in a set. It's got a small number of zeros and then kind of rising up to a peak in the like ones, twos, and threes, and then trailing off after that. Rizel Drazi. Well, except for one little <laughs> one little bug there at 15. Yep, it's Rizel Yeah, yeah it, it is Rizel It also yeah. has a 12 and two 11s, two 10s, and yeah. two 9s. Yeah. So yes, this is definitely Rizel the Eldrazi. This is battleship magic, as they called it at the time. It is crazy large numbers. Wouldn't this also... Uh, couldn't you get a similar chart if you did um, Plane Shift? Because Draco is a 16? Yeah, Draco is, a, is the only 16. Uh, so yeah, yeah that's right. true. That You would also be able to tell Plane Shift. Okay, so here is another slightly trickier one to do with the converted mana costs. So uh, this time you have what looks like a... It's a similar kind of distribution, in that it, but it starts at 2, and it kind of goes up to 3, and then it trails off after that. But there are no 0 or 1 drops in this set. No 1 drops in a set? That's fascinating. Oh, it's a lot... I think, so because there's no 1 drops, it's a Lara Reborn. Because Alara Reborn, I don't think had any one any hybrid one drops, but it had a lot of weird costs that started at two. It's exactly right. Alara Reborn is a hundred percent multicolor, and therefore every card in it has to have at least two mana symbols. They could, like you said, have done theoretically a one cost hybrid card, but they didn't. So the entire set is two drop and higher. Also, <laughs> that chart looks like it's um, it's giving the finger to everyone. So. Kind of like a Lara Just Reborn. Just like a Lara Reborn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a real easy one. So this is a rarity chart, and it's got a little chunk of uh, lands in it. It's got a big chunk of commons, a big chunk of uncommons, a big chunk of rares, and then a giant purple pie slice. <laughs> purple? Giant purple spy pie slice for special rarity cards. Christian, you want to take this one? Yeah, I think the only uh, purple expansion symbol we've seen ever is in Time Spiral. So... Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. So this is definitely time spiral. Okay, I've got two more. Two more. Uh, let's have a look at this one. This is another color one. So we have a big old chunk of multicolor cards, and then we again have uh, different chunks of the other five colors and artifacts and lands. And it's in this case again that the colors are not perfectly balanced. So this time we have fewer blue cards than any other color. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing, based off of the answer with Guild Pact, my first guess would be uh, Dissension, because Dissension had Simic and it had Azorius in it, and they thus have yep. less blue cards. That's exactly right, because the blue cards in that set were, more of them were funneled into multicolor, so exactly right. All right, most difficult one for last. 
This is a inverted mana cost chart again. Uh, it's got a, a few zero drops, a bunch of one twos, threes, and fours. A sharp cliff down with five sixes, sevens. It's got an eight, a couple of nines, and a ten in it. Uh, this one is, I think, the most difficult question. But do you want to see if you can figure this one out? Well, so so many one drops, and one of the interesting thing is this looks like just a massive set with a ton of different cards in it. Uh, based on the chart here, it looks like there are a hundred one drops. Am I reading that correctly? Yep, that's right. There's a hundred one drops in this set. Oh, oh, this. I think I know the answer to this question. So I think I, I, I want to say, is this revised? No, I no. I think it's fifth edition. Oh, you have managed to between you just perfectly miss it oh, on either side. It's fourth edition. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I know Aladdin's lamp. Is in there somewhere. That's got to be <laughs> yep. the 10. Yep, yep. To have 100 specific one-drops, I was like, there's only a handful of core sets that even, like, there's only a handful of sets, period, that have, like, at least 100 cards they can just throw away. And that's why, I, oh, yeah, 4th yep. edition, though. Jeez. So up till Mystery Booster, 4th edition was the largest set ever. It has, like, 430-something cards in it. And you very good detective work, though, noticing that actually mm -hmm. the, the distribution of these numbers is not particularly what's interesting. It's the size of them. It's the fact that, like, there's 101 drops. There's something like 72 <laughs> and 3 drops, 65 or so, 4 drops. The set's just very big. So that's good that's detectiving. Ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now wait. So 4th edition, you have to understand, it's a reprint-only set. Did they just take every single like non-broken one drop that they've released so far in Magic's history up to fourth edition and just decided like, yeah, let's put it in fourth edition. Why not? Like Tundra Wolves. The world needs Tundra. And probably, I think some of the broken ones too, just for good measure. Like yeah. fourth was were mostly they stopped reprinting nonsense, but there's still I think some some good stuff in that set. But yeah, it's real big. There are, but don't forget this is when they were still printing the wards in white. And the different color laces, death lace, life lace, and whatnot, in addition to a reasonable number of X spells, right? You would have had Fireball and Disintegrate and, um, you know, a number of other... Hal from Beyond, I think, was in that yep. set. No. The set also would have had the stars, the artifacts where, um, you know, it's like Iron Star is you pay one to gain a life whenever you or maybe it's someone else casts a red spell. So there are all of these cycles that would have given you a bunch of terrible, unplayable one drops. Okay, well, I have another question for you. And this one is actually based, I mentioned this earlier, on a classic British quiz show. Uh, it's mm -hmm. called Only Connect. And it is a series of different quizzes, which uh, questions in the actual quiz show, which are all about finding connections between apparently random things. And my favorite round of this is called The Connecting Wall. And in the connecting wall, how it works is that you get shown 16 things and uh, they're kind of all scrambled up and then the team has to try and figure out four connected groups of four cards well, cards in our context, but you know, whatever it is. So there's four con uh, related connected groups of four for a total of 16 things and they're all kind of mixed up and the team has to kind of figure out which things go together. And of course, there's a few red herrings in there that could fit into two different groups or maybe mislead you as to maybe a group existing that doesn't. And uh, I wanted to try and make one of these for magic, and it was uh, hard, and it took me ages. <laughs> but 
uh, I came up with one, and so I'd like to uh, see if you guys want to have a try at it. And so what's going to happen, I've put it up on the screen for you two to have a look at, and while you're thinking about it, I am going to just read through the list of the cards briefly for the uh, the audience to appreciate. And again, I'm sure we'll list in the show notes uh, the uh, list of the cards here, so if you want to take this off and you know actually think about it and try it yourself then feel free to you know pause the podcast and have a think about it and see if you can figure it out and uh we'll go from there so while you two are thinking about it i'm gonna for the audience's benefit run through the list of 16 cards so it's lawan cephalid empress splinter twin illusions of grandia pyroblast cephalid illusionist empress galena baron sengir what a cool guy uh, Dark Depths, Archon of Absolution, Sprite Noble, Merit Lady's Slumber, Abishan Cephalid Emperor, Vampire Hexmage, Wrath of Merit Lage, Sahili Rai, and Star of Extinction. And I will also give you the same clue that I gave when I ran this quiz for the judges a few weeks ago, which is that one of the groups has a Throne of Eldraine connection. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready to answer one of them. Okay, what do you think is the first group? Oh, do I have to do it in order, or can I? No, no, just the first group you guessed. Oh, the first first group group is there's there's a theme of twenty. Of 20 okay. on cards, so you have Illusions of Grandeur, Dark Depths, so, Merit... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so Illusions of Grandeur, Dark Depths, yep. Uh, Merit Lage's Slumber, and Star of Extension. Perfect. And actually, this is exactly how it works in the real show, is that when you correctly identify a group of four, you get that confirmed, and you then know that you got it right, so you can work on the others. So that is correct. There's All those cards have a 20 in the rules text. Holla... <laughs> Nicely done. So that leaves you with Lawan, Splinter Twin, Pyroblast, Cephalid Illusionist, Empress Galena, Baron Sengir, Archon of an Absolution, Sprite Noble, Abishan, Vampire Hex Mage, Wrath of Merit Lage, and Sahili Rai. So, any other guesses at possible groups or connections? This is really difficult. These mm. cards are, you know, in addition to trying to remember what all of the cards do, which mm. is something that we're uh, reasonably good at, but not uh, <laughs> not perfect at. Do you have the Eldraine one? You can say that one. It's it's the titles. Um, they're they're noble titles. Oh, okay. So talk me through it. Oh, I want Dave to say it because I just said the first. Oh, one. Oh yeah. So uh, cards that are now nobles. Is that what we're saying? Or that they have noble titles? I think they're cards that are now noble. So Empress Galena, Baron Sengir, Sprite Noble, and well, there are two Cephalid Emperors here. Abishan, I think, is the noble. Ooh, or okay, so we're both? going with Abishan. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Ooh, hmm. No, I think it's the... Uh, I think they're both nobles, actually. I did warn you that there are cards that can fit into more than one group. Uh, uh, it, did Baron Sengir get... Um, is, did he become a noble? I think he did. So I think... I There are five nobles on this list. So I don't there think are. that works. So it's uh, it's definitely the... I, I should tell you, you're totally on the right lines. That is one of the groups. Uh, and if you want to... Uh, I, in the real one, you could just guess uh, different combinations till you got it right. So I will let you know. So Abishan is the okay. correct answer there. Uh, okay. That one is also has also been eroded to be a noble creature type, so that would also work. Um, but in this particular case, if you want to make like the perfect connection of four, then the uh, second group, which is nobles, is Sprite Noble, Empress Galena, 
Baron Sengir and Abishan's Cephalid Emperor. Those have all been errated to be nobles. So that leaves you with just eight left, which is Pyroblast, Splinter Twin, Lawan, Cephalid Illusionist, Archon of Absolution, Vampire Hexmage, Wrath of Meritlage, and Sahili Rai. And so we'll keep following the, the true format. Now that you've only got two groups left, you just get three guesses, and then that's it. Um, so I think... Well, let's see. So the, one of the two connections I can see is Pyroblast and Lalwin both refer to blue cards. Or blue types of cards. But I can't remember what Wrath of Merit Lage says. Uh, so Wrath of Merit Lage is... Uh, it taps all red creatures and they don't untap. Okay. So between those... And then Archon of Absolution is also kind of a color hoser. but Yeah, I think it's color hosers, right? It has to be color hosers. You're correct. So Lawan okay. uh, bounces all blue creatures your opponents control and then prevents them from casting anymore. Uh, Herblast, of course... Beats up blue cards. Archon of Absolution has protection from white, and Wrath of Merit Lage uh, locks down things. So that leaves you with the remaining group by deduction is Splinter Twin, Cephalid Illusionist, Vampire Hexmage, and Sahili Rai. So what's the connection for the final group? Uh, I'm going to say that these are. Well, they're all combo pieces. Yep, they're um, all cards of two-card combos. It's it's okay. as simple as that. They're all two-card combo pieces. So yeah, you solved the wall. You get a perfect hey, score. Well done. We did it. I, I'll <laughs> be interested to hear from listeners at home if they were able to, to solve the wall. There were a lot of interesting uh, things here, like you said, that could go into multiple categories. Yeah, um, so specifically, you know, like, Lawan is a noble and a color hoser. Uh, you've also got... Uh, there's, like, several cards to do with Merit Lage in this selection, but which including are, uh, Vampire Hex Mage, yeah. including Vampire Hex Mage, but there yeah. is that's a false group that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, of course, uh, Illusions of Grandia is also a two card combo piece, uh, but is not yep. part of the combo piece. So there's there's a few traps. Let's put it that way. So, uh, but well done. I'm I'm very impressed. Yeah, that that's fascinating, um, and uh, quite a mental challenge to try to figure out. All right. First of all, what do these cards do? Secondly, what could they possibly all have in common <laughs> as we try to make groups of four? When, when you're just staring at the board of 16 different cards it's and it's wide open, it's uh, really challenging. That's awesome. Yeah, well, well done. So I have one final nice relaxing round to finish you off, and this is my favorite round for any quiz I have ever run. Um, so it's, it's easy. It's easy. I'll, I'll, so... All, in fact, so all the previous, you know, often I do questions where it's like, I'll give you some weird description and you have to figure out what card I'm talking about or something like that. And this isn't like that. I'm just going to tell you the cards. And uh, what I did for the people who actually did the quiz is I'll tell you the cards. You just have to write down the names of the cards and that's it. But okay. spelling counts because this mm. is the spelling round. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, let me go. Let me Oof. go. Let me get. Okay, one second. Let me set my mic so I can type. Or, um, oh, is it spelling bee style? It's spelling bee style. It's spelling bee style. I just want you to know, yeah. I won the district level spelling bee in third grade. Oh, so suck it, haters! Christian, you're in trouble. <laughs> I am in trouble. I, I, I my fair, spelling bee has gotten worse. To be fair, you were presumably spelling words that were not made up. <laughs> I believe I won on the word breathe. Breathe, as in like yes. breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, you know, it was third grade. People word. leave off the e. Wow. Sure, I guess. Yeah, I can I can imagine that that could happen. Uh, okay, so the first one... Shall we actually do this, like, proper style? Like, each take a turn? Sure. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, 
let's flip a coin. Okay, I flipped a coin, and David, you're going to go first. Always heads. All right, we're in. Okay, so the first uh, card name is Yokelhaut. Oh yeah, this is. Uh, I'm just trying to remember if if there's an umlaut on something, but it's. Uh, <laughs> so this is a card from Ice Age, I believe. It's red. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It destroys all it artifacts, destroys... creatures, and lands. It sure does. It can't but be that's, none of those are how you spell its name, though. No, I know. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think. <laughs> so it's it's J O K U L. H-A-U-P-S. Correct. Fantastic. Ah! That is actually a real word. It's not a real... So, awesome work. Right, Christian. Right, your okay. card is Gazban Ogre. Ooh. Gazban Ogre. It's a 2-2 two -two that uh, whoever has the highest life total gains control of it in upkeep. Yeah, they have the... There's the big uh, fangs on it. Yeah. Um, G-H... A Z or Z B A N space O G R E. You were so close. It's with an upwards accent on it, and after between the B and the N, it's Gazban Ogre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wonderful! So so great. Okay, so to you, David. Uh, next one is the Legends Legend Nebuchadnezzar. Uh yeah, this is a this is a real name. Is, yeah, I mean, sure. Kanye West I just had anyone opera. called this, but sure. No, I mean in in history, he uh, he plagued yeah, uh, yeah. plagued the yeah. So Nebuchadnezzar is N E B U C H A D N E Z Z A R Nebuchadnezzar. Perfect again. Woo! Who knows his spelling? Uh, next person is also vaguely historical, so uh, for you, Christian, this is Pang Tong, Young Phoenix. This is, of course, a Paul Street <laughs> card. Christian has a look of disbelief on our chat. Here. Can you re can you repeat that again? It's Pang Tong, Young Phoenix. Um, what does a card do? Oh, is this like? Do you want me to use it in a sentence? Is yeah. that is that what kind of what it is? It, uh, this is a P three K card, right? Yeah, yeah but a, a there's a lot of card, yeah. Chinese it, historical legends in P K three. So there are a lot of them. So he is a human advisor, and you can tap him to give a target creature plus naught plus two until end of turn, and you can only activate this ability during your turn before attackers. Um, and pa I so have to say, I'm looking at this art, and he doesn't look that young. I think the name. Is perhaps not uh, not literal. He's also so, clearly not a phoenix. Peng Tong, <laughs> young phoenix. Young phoenix. Can I do the young phoenix first and go back to the Peng Tong? You can absolutely do that. Okay, young phoenix. Y O U N G space. Mm -hmm. Oh, P H O E N I X. Okay. Peng Tong is. I'm just gonna go with it's gonna be two two words here. I'm just gonna go for it. P A N G okay. space mm -hmm. T O N G. So okay. David, before you answer, uh huh, you said something there that triggered something in my memory. Can I uh -huh. tell him what he got wrong? Sure, go ahead. He doesn't look young. I believe young Phoenix is in quotation marks. It is in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> got there. <laughs> Yeah, so it's you got all the spelling correct, but it's Pangtong, comma, and then it's quotation marks around Young Phoenix. So this is an, an unreasonable card that has 
quotation marks around its name. <laughs> Magic is a card game for children. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay, so, next card. So, this is for David. This is Borborygmus Enraged. Oh, God. Why do you get... Uh, we get he gets all the cards we've talked about. Like, yeah, oh, but Borborygmus... Sure. What, what? What happens? Anyway, sorry. Borborygmus, another real word. Uh, uh, well, except for they're actually the real word is spelled differently to his name. So, Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, so the beginning repeats itself. It's B-O-R-B-O-R-Y-G-M-O-S space E-N-R-A-G-E-D. And Correct. both words are capitalized because it's his it's yeah, full yeah, name. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, the Borgbrigmus, the which is a word for a stomach rumble, is uh, yeah. M-U-S, I think. It's Borgbrigmus hmm. rather than Moss. Interesting. Okay, Christian, Merrow Regery. Oh, I know this one. Merrow Regery. Right. M-A-R-R-O-W space R-E-E-J-E-R-E-Y. Uh, it's, you spelled Marrow Regery there. You, <sighs> you went M-A, it's M-E. Oh, uh, it's just that's that's me. Uh, you. That Here's that's you. on me. That's on me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Next one. Uh, Rogar of Carekeep. Rogar of Carekeep. Rogar. This is the guy that gives like all your kobolds of Carekeep plus one plus one or something like that. He's uh, he's a big ugly kobold. Yeah, he, so he gives all your kobold your creatures named kobolds of Carekeep plus two plus two. What uh, set and, is this from? Legends. Uh, it is from Legends, yeah, and also it Monsters is Edition Legends. Three. Uh, so yeah, this is the guy that like makes all your kobolds worth playing, apparently. Oh yeah, no, he's the he's the black red one, right? Yeah, he's a black red legend. He pumps all, and also at the beginning of your upkeep, you have to pay red, 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 and if you don't, you tap him and all of your kobolds of care keep and give all of them to your opponent. Like <laughs> okay. <they. laughs> Who then also has to then start paying red, 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 or he comes back. Okay, can you say his name one more time? Yeah, it's Rogar of Kirkheep. Okay. I think it's R-O-G-A-H-H space O-F space K-H-E-R space K-E-E-P. So close. You were you did remember that he has an unnecessary double H at the end of his name. Okay. But he also has an unnecessary H before the G. So for whatever reason, this card is okay. full of H's you don't pronounce. <laughs> it's R O H G A H H. And then obviously Kerr has an H in it as well for no reason. So So there are literally four extraneous H's in the name yes. of this card. Name okay. could be considerably shorter. Wow. Okay, we are nearing the end. Uh, okay. I'm going to jump to last question, which is going to be a team effort. Okay. Ooh. Uh, so for all the points, Sarpedian Empires Volume Seven. Oh. Okay. So this has some uh, some punctuation. Okay. I think the critical thing to note is that the card name is in italics. It is in italics. Yes. Volume is also abbreviated, right? It is. I believe that's right. And seven is a Roman numeral. That sounds right to me. So putting all that together. Mm-hmm. It would be S A R P A D I A N space E M P I R E S comma V O L period and then V I I for a second. And there's a space between the period and the volume. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's exactly right. 
when oh. I did this in real life, by the way, I didn't give people credit unless they wrote it in italics. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. It's in italics. It's in italics, yeah. Yeah, the card name is in italics. Um, yeah, the actual uh, bonus round in the, the last one, and I'm not going to subject you to this, but was I gave points for as close as possible to spelling Asmerano Mardica Dice in the Caldecar correctly. Oh yeah, my god. Of the Underworld cookbook that has like two or three flavor texts. Uh, uh, two or three flavor texts which are uh, attributed to her. Yeah, I'm now that, looking that up at the Lightning Axe and Time Spiral just to see how many like characters this was, and that's way too many. Like, I think <laughs> I think you could like make a tweet with just her name, and that was that's it. Wow. Well, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed taking the spelling quiz and, and trying to figure out some of these things alongside us. We'll put all of this content in the show notes, which presumably you have already read, as I will have tweeted about, hey, read the show notes here before you listen to the episode. David, where yeah. on the internet can people find you? Uh, so my Twitter account is at Savia Wanderer, S-A-V-I-A-W-A-N-D-E-R-E-R. And I'm known by some variation of that name on various other uh, Reddit and other social media, but really Twitter is probably the main place to find me. Uh, I also go to a whole bunch of European magic fests and other events, so uh, if you're ever at any of those, there's a good chance that I will be judging or playing or scorekeeping or some, some combination of all three. That is awesome. We will put that in the show notes for sure. And we will also link to all of the Magic Bracket stuff. Um, you know, listeners, if you, that's something you're interested in, you should definitely check it out. If you're listening to the show, then you are extremely interested in the Magic Bracket, I am certain. And, you know, you can go back and check out those old episodes as well. Yeah, we uh, episodes 17, 18, and 19 were all about the Magic Bracket, and that's where we went in-depth first with uh, uh, David Lyford-Smith. Just because we have two Davids on the show, I have to be specific. And we also <laughs> talked about some of David's uh, favorite Chaos cards, too. Absolutely. Speaking of chaos cards, before we go today, we are not leaving without talking about mystery boosters. So we did a whole show on the mystery boosties this last week, but there's no way we're done. We can't have David here and not chat. David, you love chaos draft. And so I really want to hear from you. What do you think about the mystery boosters? I am so excited about the mystery boosters. Like, I'm I'm really annoyed. So right now, my my girlfriend, my partner Imogen, is in Bologna uh, for the uh, Legacy Magic Fest there, and there's all the, uh, the, which is also the first European tournament that has got the mystery boosters at it. And I'm super jealous that I can't be there and see them in real life. I'm so excited. I'm uh, going to be at Magic Fest Brussels in January. I will be playing it there, and I am going to be. Uh, doing as many of those as I can fit into that one day because it is like a laser precision targeted product aimed exactly at me. Like <laughs> I, I love obscure magic uh, knowledge. I love chaos drafting. I love uh, open-ended limited formats. It is everything I want in a magic set. Well, you will be able to fit it in. If Richmond was any indication, if you sign up for a mystery booster draft, it will fire within five minutes. People are just cycling through and getting in as many as they can. It is a blast. Yeah, I'd like to repeat a stat we heard last week. I think there was, what, 250-something mystery booster drafts that fired, and normally they have 30 drafts in general on a weekend that fire for um, Magic Fest. So, yeah, this was it was a smashing success. Yeah. The busiest day of Limited I have ever been at was uh, World Rome 2009, where they were doing five Euro booster drafts with prizes because it was uh, sponsored by Wizards and they just gave us a load of free product. And it was, from what I understand, that kind of level of busyness. It was yeah. pretty nonsense. Well, I'd love for you to answer two questions we asked our interviewees last week. Uh, what playtest card 
really grabbed you and what were you surprised to see appear on the card list? So in terms of the playtest cards, there's a whole bunch that I was really excited by. Uh, I think probably the one that kind of most intrigued me was actually one of the ones where... Uh, so there's a bunch of the playtest cards which are taken from Great Designer Search 3, where they took yep. some of the more interesting but less directly printable designs and put them out there. And I was particularly happy to see Zim Mesmeric Lord, uh, which is one of the ones from the like initial design test, uh, which was... Uh, so Zim is one blue, black, black for a 3-4 flying death touch vampire wizard and has, when he enters the battlefield, your opponent orders the cards in their hand, so they choose an order for their cards, and then they reveal the cards one by one, and each time you can either make them discard the card they revealed, or you get to see the next one. So you have this kind of complicated mind game going on, um, which I just think is a really fascinating bit of like uh, interesting play for the two players to play out. So I, was, I think that card's really cool. I, it was the card I was most excited about from the Great Designer Search 3, and I'm really excited that it now, uh, in some sense, exists and is playable. Yeah, it has something in common with a lot of the other playtest cards, which is that it's a 4-mana 3-4 flying death touch. So it's yeah. a very playable card in your draft, regardless of the cool test card effect. Yeah, and it makes them discard a card. Like, you have some right. degree of control over that card, but, like, I, I'm totally down for that uh, regardless it's super powerful um and I, I also appreciate that like they didn't tinker with it it is printed exactly as it was in the great designer search submission mm -hmm. and i think that's a good thing to be doing now i'm thinking about how i would order cards in my hand do i put a land last just in case they're hoping for something great and then they whiff Oof. yeah exactly they've got this really nice kind of game to play as for the like mainline set the whatever it is 1700 cards of that are in the main set. I, I guess I just I haven't been able to absorb what is even there yet because there's just so much. Um, so I think until I actually get to play it and get my hands on it, it's really hard to answer. But what I am definitely excited about is something. Uh, one of the reasons why I like Chaos Draft is finding fun, interesting cross-block synergies between cards that will never have been played together before in any other setting. So that's something that I really enjoy about Chaos Draft and something that I'm really enjoying. We're really looking forward to exploring in this sort of self-contained chaos draft format that is Mystery Booster. That was the kind of cherry on top. I'm normally not a chaos draft person just because, especially how they design sets these days, like there's not a lot of cross-set synergy anymore. It's kind of harder to find. So it's yeah. nice when they have a curated large card list and all the cards fairly work well together. There's a lot of cross-set synergies, but what they have been able to do with this curated list is remove the like anti-synergies, like exiling processing thing in Battle for Zendikar, or like Infect in uh, Scars of Mirrodin block that is completely kind of contained within those blocks and doesn't play well with other sets, and kind of makes those sets really awkward if you get one in a Chaos Draft, and they're able to keep all of the cards that do play well with others from those sets, but ditch everything that doesn't work, and I think that's that's great. Yeah, it's very light on the parasitic mechanics. And I found during every draft that I had way more playables than I needed at the end of the draft because any card that I drafted in my colors did something with some other card in the deck. Well, David, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, listeners, for joining us as well. You can find us on Twitter at our new handle, at MemoryJarMTG. We would love your feedback as always, and please tell us about cards and decks that you want to remember. Again, special thanks to Christopher Yates for the logo. We really appreciate it. You can find Chris on Twitter at CMYCompany. 
thank you again for joining us. May your holidays be ever bountiful, and may you have given many thanks to the Magic players in your life. We'll see you next week. 